will amen. If that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. Thank you, choir. Uh, Cole and that other person who was singing. If you will, take your Bible and turn to uh, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. As I said at the beginning of the service, this is the last Sunday before we get to that one day a year that we're supposed to be thankful. One day. Now, I've often asked, why just one day? And some smart aleck school teacher would go, don't you know your history, Brother Jerry? And I go, well, yeah, I do know my history. And for those that don't know your history, it's a little over 400 years ago, October 1621 was the first time there was a Thanksgiving celebration. It lasted three days it was at Plymouth Rock. And on that occasion, there were some 53 survivors of the Mayflower who joined with some 90 natives. Now, I know when we were young, we called them Indians because when they got here, they thought that, that they had come to India, but they were really the... The Native Americans, call them what you like. They're a great group of people, been to the reservations a lot of times, seen them other places. And I will tell you that the natives have a different take on Thanksgiving than the white man does. That's for another time at another place. Let me tell you what I take away from that event. It was a three-day-long event where you had almost 150 people. I want you to get this. Almost 150 people who determined that that year to lay aside their differences. They were from different tribes, different continents, different races, different cultures, likely a language barrier. And they decided to lay all of that aside to bring thanks to God for the harvest that had come in. Now, we being country folks, we understand about a harvest coming in and how important it is. They were thankful. Today I ask you, what are you thankful for? Uh, that's a rhetorical question. I know we'd be here for another three or four hours, everybody answering it. But some people would say, I'm thankful for my family. That's good stuff. I'm thankful for my friends. That's good stuff. I'm thankful for the community I live in. That's good. I'm thankful for my church. I'm, th- I'm thankful for all kinds of things. We could, the list could go on and on. But today, brothers and sisters, I want to bring to you the one thing above all things that we should be thankful for. And most of the time, it doesn't even enter the conversation. We find it in the title of the message. We'll put it on the screen right now. It says, Jesus, Jesus is your reason to be thankful. Above all else, Jesus is the reason to be thankful. And I'm really about to confuse everybody who pays attention because we're going to We're going to read this Matthew 10, verses 32 through 34, and you're going to say, how in the world do we get a message of thanksgiving out of that? Now, I'm going to allow you to remain seated for those who are with us the first time, visiting with us. We normally stand to honor the reading of God's Word, but I'm not just going to read it. I'm going to talk us through it. So, Mitch, if you'll help me up there, please. It says, they... We're on the road. They would be Jesus, the disciples, and the followers. They were on the road, and they were going up to Jerusalem 
Now, here's the problem with that. Geographically, they were on the road, and they were probably traveling southwest. And everybody in this room knows that when you go south, you don't say up. You say down. But Jerusalem, a couple of things about Jerusalem. Jerusalem sat on a ridge, which was like a backbone. So geographically, it was wherever you went, you went up to Jerusalem geographically. The second thing is that Jerusalem is known as the holy city. A lot of wonderful and great things happened during uh, Bible days. And when you went to Jerusalem, any of the Jews who went to Jerusalem felt like they were going up. So they were on the road, Jesus, his disciples, and his followers, going up to Jerusalem. Now watch this. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. You know what that means? He was leading the way. That means he was passionate about where he was going. That means he wasn't just kind of meandering around. And, and he was leading the way, even though there were some things that he should not have wanted to go to Jerusalem. The next phrase says, the disciples were astonished. Because you know what? They knew. They knew what awaited him in Jerusalem. They had already heard some of the talk. He was leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, and those who followed him were afraid. And so he took the taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. And he said this, verse thirty-three. He said. We are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man. Now, for three years he had taught them that he was the Son of God and the Son of Man. The Son of Man will be handed over, watch this, to the chief priest and the scribes. Now listen, brothers and sisters. It was not a matter that he was going there and going to be in trouble with the sinners and the reprobates. He was going to Jerusalem because he was in trouble with the church people. Hand him over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And all that meant is they wanted him to die because the Jewish people were not allowed to sentence anyone to death. That was the Roman rule. And so they would decide he would die, and then they would hand him over to the Gentiles. Now they're getting where he can die. And what would the Gentiles do? They'll mock him. They'll spit on him. They'll flog him. And they'll kill him. And he will rise after three days. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you today paint this picture in our hearts? I pray that you'd put it in our minds in such a way that we cannot escape all the reasons that we should be thankful to Jesus on this day. I pray that you would peer into every heart in this room. 
And for that person who never has received the grace and the mercy and the love and the salvation and the life that Jesus offers, I pray that today will be the day. I pray that now will be the time. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to all of our hearts and draw us to yourself, convict us of our sin, and bring us to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, already somebody's asking, what kind of message is this that you're going to offer just before Thanksgiving when we're supposed to be thankful? I know that you're thankful for your families, and that's great. I know that you're thankful for your life. I know you're thankful for your church. But today, I want to twist your thinking just a little bit. I want to sharpen it just a little bit. And I want us to see the one thing that we should be, we should be more thankful for than any. Else, My heart is to implant in us today something deeper than a Thanksgiving meal with your family. Why in the world or what in the world does this text teach us about being thankful? Well, I want to suggest to you today that I have discovered three truths in this that make me entirely thankful for Jesus today. The first truth is I want you to see his direction. His direction. If I say this in a simple phrase, he came to earth headed somewhere. He didn't come to earth just to wander around. He didn't come to earth to wander and meander. Anybody in here want to serve a God who's headed nowhere? You see, Jesus came to earth with something on his mind to do and accomplish. I mean, a God who does, who's not headed anywhere, he's kind of like an atheist funeral. Have you heard about that? Atheist died, put him in a suit, put him in his casket, rolled him out, the stateroom at the funeral home, three-piece suit, man, Eric, he looks sharp. And one of his friends walked up and he goes, all dressed up, no place to go. That's what it's like if God is not headed anywhere, if our Lord is just kind of meandering around. Jesus was not just headed somewhere. He knew where he was headed. He had a goal. He had a purpose. And he even was passionate about it. Now, how do I know he was passionate about it? Because he was leading the way. He didn't just say, let's go. Let's be passionate about it. Friday night, Colin and all of his colleagues won the next round. Is this semis this time, Colin? Semifinals this Friday night to win. You think they're passionate about winning? And if they're not, I I I can excuse Colin and I can look up at Eric. The man lives and breathes football. We're passionate about things. Jesus was passionate about leading them to the right place. And where was he going? Where was his direction taking him? He was going to Jerusalem. Now, you don't think that, you and I probably don't think that's a big deal. But Luke 9.31 tells us that Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. He resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. Why did he need to go to Jerusalem? Why is this important? Why is it a reason to be thankful? Well, at least two reasons. 
first reason would be a spiritual reason. The second reason would be a prophetical reason. I've already told you that this city is called the city of God. Over the Old Testament, go back and read it. A lot of great work has been done in Jerusalem. But listen, if I've lost you, listen. There was a dark side to Jerusalem. Through the years, continually, the residents of Jerusalem would fall under God's wrath because they turned away from His Word. They turned away from His will. They turned away from what He wanted, and they knew it. And, and many times they would say the right things. This catches us. Many times they would say the right things with their mouths, but their hearts were compromised. Their hearts were far away from them. In fact, Matthew 23, Jesus lamented, cried over the city. And he said, I often ought have gathered you. Oh, Jerusalem, the one who stones the prophets, the one who kills the prophets. Why is there a dark side to Jerusalem? I have a suggestion for you. I want you to hear this, teenagers. Anytime God's working in and around your life, Satan is right there trying to destroy it. He, he is trying to bring you down. When I read this, I, I'm reminded that Jerusalem was a, great, was a place of great spiritual warfare. That's a picture of America today. A place of great spiritual warfare. We have a great nation, but it's not our God. Let us not worship our nation and be thankful for our God. Let us be thankful for our nation and worship our God. You see... God was in control of the creation of this wonderful nation. And today, Satan is doing his best to destroy us. And he's trying to do it from the inside out. When I was a kid, I heard that the communists said that they'd take America without firing a shot. In the 21st century, I think they just about have. You see, the truth is, is that humanly speaking, Jesus had a powerful enemy. Spiritually speaking, he had a powerful supporter. In Jerusalem was where the battle would be fought. Jerusalem was the place that he had to go because that's where the enemy was the strongest. In just a couple of weeks, we will commemorate Pearl Harbor. That's the day that America was dragged, and honestly dragged kicking and screaming, into the war. We didn't really want to get in the war. But as I've said before from this pulpit, the Great Depression had so hardened our young men that when this freedom was challenged by the thousands, they volunteered. 
And they went and gave them their lives for freedom. 1944. June of 1944. A day we call D-Day. The invasion of Normandy. Over 130,000 soldiers charged the beaches. Nine... Thousand Allied forces were wounded or killed. As the day dawned, all the commanders, all the all the troops knew that the losses would be heavy. But the truth is, is that they knew that was where they had to go because that's where the enemy was the strongest. That's where the enemy had a beachhead. That's where the enemy had to be, had a stronghold. And if the enemy were to be defeated, it had to begin right there. If Jesus was going to defeat Satan, it had to be in Jerusalem. He knew where he had to go, and he went. And not only did he just go, he led the way. I want to ask you today, just kind of put that off and are you following him today? These guys were following him, his direction. Are you following him today? First reason to be thankful is because his direction. He knew where he was going. He was going to Jerusalem. The second thing that we discover here is his destiny. Because you see, he didn't just go to Jerusalem to go to Jerusalem. He went to Jerusalem because that's where the cross was. He knew that there would be a cross waiting there. He knew that that cross was victory. Debbie, when I came back to Cary in the 80s, we had a group kind of like was here. One of the songs that we sang, great lyric, said, Born to die to rise again, to crush the power of canceled sin. I lift my voice to shout and sing Hosanna to the King. Be thankful that His direction led Him to Jerusalem and to His destiny that was the cross. From the time He left heaven, He knew that His destiny was a painful, shameful, deadly, terminal, old, rugged cross. When you read When you read verse 33, he talks about how the Son of Man is going to be abused and killed. This is the third time. In this text, it's the third time he told told his disciples what was going to happen. The first time, Peter rebuked him and said, don't say that. The second time, they were so taken that they didn't say anything. And this time, again, they didn't say anything. I think the, the disciples were so were so overwhelmed by what Jesus was trying to tell them that they didn't know what to do with it. As my mom would have said, they didn't know where to put it. They could sense the opposition. They could hear the murmurs among powerful people, and yet they could see the determination on Jesus's, uh, in Jesus' life to go to Jerusalem and face whatever was there. You see, when he got to Jerusalem, he had to face the scribes and the Pharisees. And the disciples, (coughs) excuse me, the disciples knew 
that an encounter with the scribes and Pharisees, the church people, would not end well. And they were astonished that he was going to go, and everybody else that followed him were afraid. You know why the disciples knew that it wasn't going to end well? I want to give you a modern-day just principle. This is not something... Here's what I'm going to tell you. Anytime you mess with man's religion or the God of mankind... It's dangerous because religion itself has little conscience, has little compassion. Religion, excuse me, religion will fight against God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace every time. The religious get so busy keeping the letter of the law that they forget the spirit of the law. And that's what drives legalists today. It's the formula for legalists today. Jesus would go to Jerusalem and he would go to the cross. He would fulfill his destiny. He would be crucified down the cross, be buried in the ground. There's an old gospel song. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. Now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. You see, he went to the cross. He gave his life so that you and I can be forgiven of sin. Listen, I I have been around enough to know that there are people that feel like they can handle their own sin. They don't need anything from Jesus. They can make it up as they go. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is our reason to be thankful because not just Brother Jerry says so. You know what the prophets say? Isaiah tells us this. He says, He was pierced because of our rebellion, our transgression, our sin. He was crushed or bruised because of our iniquity. Punishment for our peace was on Him. And we are healed by his wounds, by his stripes, by what happened to him. We all went astray like sheep. All of us are are astray like sheep. We've turned into our own way. (laughs) That sounds like a 21st century uh, verse. And the Lord, what says he punished him for the iniquity of us all? You see, we, we have a reason to be thankful Because Jesus did all of this for you. He did all of this for me. He did it all so that we can have uh, eternal life, so we can have eternal security. He was killed. He was graveyard dead. He met his destiny. He was in the ground. Be thankful today that he paid your debt. But there's one more thing here. His direction toward Jerusalem, his destination to the cross... His destiny to the cross and his destination 
is where we find our victory. His destination is where we find our reason to rejoice, to shout, to be thankful. His destination, let me use one of the modern day words, guys. This is the reason we should give it up for Him. Because of what He did for us. Verse 33, 34, it's not on the screen. I'll just read it to you. Jesus says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. Son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, who can actually kill him. And they will mock him, spit on him, flog him. By the way, many people died being flogged. Todd's sitting over here and seeing so many emergencies that it scare most people. Shannon over here works in the ER. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This body can only take so much. And that flogging is at 80, about 12 to 15 inch piece of board and then the straps on it and on the end of those leather straps were metal. Bone. Glass. And the guy who scourged, who flogged them, he knew what he was doing. He knew how to inflict pain. You see, crucifixion and flogging was not intended to, for immediate death. It was meant more for, uh, for, to, to hurt them. And that man would take that cat of nine tails and, and deliver the blow, and it would wrap around, and you could literally hear it wrapping around. And as those bone pieces of bone, glass, shard, and metal would... Touch his skin, he'd give it a little yank. Many people became disemboweled right there. I'm just trying to illustrate to you that Jesus paid a big price for you and for me. Said he'd spit on him, they'd flog him, and then they'd kill him. And they did. They killed him. And they put him in the ground. Amen? Then they kind of brushed their hands and they thought, they thought they had a reason to be thankful. Because they had finally gotten rid of him. But what they thought was their reason to be thankful, brothers and sisters, is your reason to be thankful today. Because three days later, three days later, now get this picture. Jesus' direction brought him to Jerusalem where he found his destiny at the cross. And that, and that destiny he offered forgiveness of sin. And he, he brought light from darkness. He brought life from death. But boy, that destination found in the, those last words. What the world saw as a tragedy you and I can celebrate as a victory. The last words of that says, and he will rise after three days. I'm going to say that again. He will rise after three days. That goes over our heads. What would you think if someone was in Lot Cemetery and all of a sudden the grave was popped open and they were gone and they were walking around? Would that be a miracle? 
to some of you. You see, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, he didn't defeat anything. If he's still in the ground, we're without hope. If he's still in the grave, we have no possibility for life. If he is still there, there's no hope for eternity. If he's still in the ground, he's not preparing a place for us as he said he would. While it is in his death we find forgiveness of a sin, it is in his resurrection that we can embrace life everlasting. Have you, do you know that life? This is what the Father sent him to do. He sent him to, to defeat sin, to defeat death, to defeat hell. And in, the, and, and in the resurrection, death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its victory. Hell has lost its power. And by the way, Satan lost his teeth. Jesus pulled his teeth at, at Calvary. And that's why he's a roaring lion. Oh, he can roar, he can scare you, he can frighten you, he can tell you things are bad, but he can't do a whole lot because Jesus, Jesus has defeated him. Boy, that's a reason to shout. That's a reason to roar. That's a reason to be thankful. Satan has no power or force against the empty tomb. You want a reason to really be thankful this this week? You want a reason? Yeah, you can be thankful for your family and your grandkids and your kids. Well, maybe you can be thankful for your grandkids. You'll put up with your kids so you you understand that grandkids are your reward for not killing your kids. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. The truth is, is that Jesus left heaven to come to Jerusalem at just the right time. He left heaven to go to the cross at just the right time. He left heaven to rise from the dead, a humanly impossible feat, at just the right time. And he did it. Wait, wait, wait. He did it. For you! Why don't you give it up for him this morning? Some people in this room have given their whole lives to the church. The door's open. They're here. You're here. If something's needed, you do it. You've given your entire life to the church. But my question today is have you ever given yourself to Jesus? You can spend your whole life doing all the things of the church. 
every time there's some kind of fun stuff in the fellowship hall or in the gym, every time we have these big events, you give yourself. And we have people that give themselves to those things. But have you given yourself to the Christ, to the one who came to change us? He's the living one. He has the answers to life and death. He holds the answers that every one of us need. I'm just going to give us a caution. He does not and will not elbow his way into your life. He allowed the rich young ruler to walk away. He hated it. I believe, he, I believe there was a tear in his eye when that rich young ruler walked away. But he still let him go because the rich young ruler wasn't really to take his hands off his life and surrender it to the Lord's way. Talks about priorities. I will tell you this morning... That if you committed yourself to the church and not to the Lord of the church, here's your reason to be thankful. He's still standing at your heart door. And he's knocking. For some in here, he's knocked for quite a while. For some, we've said yes with our mouth and no with our lives. Oh, we can come to an altar and say yes. And everybody rejoices with us. But then we can say no with our lives as we abandon what he wants us to do, called us to do. He is your reason to be thankful today. Everything else is pretty much fluff. He came... To make an eternal difference in your existence. Will you let him? Let's pray together.